2. The Power of More from Brockmeier and Zalo Innovation Thinking In this episode, we are talking about nuclear energy or the potential future of this form of energy that is discussed politically very controversial. Today, we have a guest who is in the Green Party and member of the Finnish Parliament. Ate Hayane was also working in the Finnish Meteorological Institute, where he has done research that has focused on social economic impacts of climate change. But before we get our guest into the conversation, I would like to introduce the co-host of the podcast, Dieter Brockmeier, the innovation expert at the Diplomatic World Institute. Hello, Dieter. How are you? I'm fine, and I'm really happy that it worked out with Atte to have him here today. And I really have to thank my excellent Finnish network that was putting me, me through to him. And yes, great you're here, and it will be a very exciting episode, I'm sure, because the topic is hot. Yeah, Atte Hayane, the member of the Finnish Parliament and Green Party. Thank you very much for joining us today, Atte. How are you? Uh, thank you. Hello. I'm I'm great. Uh, great to be here. Looking forward for an uh, interesting discussion. Yeah, the Green Parties have their roots in the anti-nuclear movement. Now we learned that the Finnish Green Party changed its opinion. What is that opinion and how did this happen? Yeah, for, let's roll back for the... Uh, last year we accepted, uh, the party accepted a new new party program and this program uh, doesn't actually anymore exclude nuclear it, it uh, underlines the need to use all sustainable means to reduce fossil fuels and, and uh, decarbonize the society and uh, this is a logic continuation to development for the last couple of years where we've been more open more neutral toward towards uh, uh, nuclear entry and and uh, We also sit in, in the current government, which uh, the government program also doesn't exclude nuclear power. Uh, it actually has stated that, uh, that for example, a continuation for uh, or lifetime extensions for current plants are, are okay if they're considered safe. Now, how did we end up in this? That's a long story. Uh, the Finnish Green Party has, has shares the roots with, with the, the European uh, uh, sister parties but it's also a bit different so of course uh, in, in different countries that if the, the political uh, spectrum and then the and the kind of the pol political playground is, is a bit different and, uh, and for example we don't have a strong clear liberal liberal party and so on so we have a bit of a different we're not the finnish politics is not that block based but i think the strongest thing for the last 10 years in the party i would say around that's approx how long i've been around uh, is that the idea that we are the the, the science driven party we're the party of the best argument so that means that we we have we set the goals the goals are clear so we want a sustainable world and then we want to find the best means according to the best science and this science driven party argument the idea of this has been uh, i think this has been prioritized uh, all the time and uh also adding to that the, the increasing urgency with the, with the climate crisis that has caused us to kind of continu continuously update our position and the current position is as, as i described uh, i would say neutral where we have 
still, of course, we have opponents of nuclear energy in the party, and then we have people like me who are actually quite vocal proponents of, of nuclear energy. But what we share is the goal. And, of course, it's a very pragmatic approach, because yeah. when you look at the discussions uh, around the globe, there are so many countries that already said they go with, uh, with nuclear. So uh, it's absolutely certain by now that uh, nuclear will be for at least the next 50 years, uh, at least the bridging technology uh, to help us to become carbon neutral. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pragmatic is, is an excellent word here. And uh, also, if you look at the IPCC 1.5 degree report from 2018, the International Energy Association's uh, agencies uh, report just uh, this week, or was it previous week? Uh, what they show is that even though the renewables are expected to grow and, and, and be the primary source of, of energy, nuclear still has a role and we need more nuclear. So if you go dogmatically anti-nuclear, that actually means that you kind of turn your back to the best available science and expertise. So it, it kind of, uh, I, I would say that it's a position that you have to defend and it's more pragmatic to see it kind of include nuclear in the toolbox. And then the question is about what types of energy we want to most uh, uh, advance with public policy and so on. And that's more analytical, more pragmatic way of looking for the for the whole issue. So step forward in that sense. And when I talk about uh, nuclear energy to various experts or wannabe experts, I know. Uh, they, uh, what I hear is uh, first, say, promoting decentralized concepts. So you have smaller plants that are also more secure and you're avoiding a lot of, uh, of trouble we are facing now. Again, of course, there are other security problems, I would, I would assume, if you have more small plans and uh, they might be more accessible. So can terrorists get access it's easier and get stuff for dirty bombs out or stuff like that? How can we handle that or how can that be avoided? But the big issue still is, of course, how to deal with nuclear waste. So what is uh, your approach on that? Uh, well, I'd first say a couple of words about the decentralization. Uh, it's it's funny that that you say uh, you mentioned that since at the same time it's always that, and then kind of smart energy systems are are, are also mentioned as a as a solution. But there you actually, if you need to balance the system with really carefully uh, with smartness, so to say, that also creates dependencies and, and uh, risks uh, regarding its uh, resilience. But uh, the nuclear waste is, is a good question. But I, I, I think, first of all, we need to look at the scale of the problem. So when you look at nuclear waste, it's very dense. It's, although it's uh, radi radi um, uh, dangerous and, and uh, radiates, it's still dense and easily handleable compared to decentralized carbon emissions, for example. So it's a matter of, uh, it's a local waste problem in that sense. And then we start to look at how we, how to matter, uh, how to, how to tackle it. And, and the Finnish solution has been a geological waste repository that's been built uh, in, in Olkiluoto near, near one of the nuclear power plants. And uh, by 
all measures that we as a society count risks and measure risks and manage risks, this is one of the best and most thoroughly thought risks because of the the, the kind of the fears that, that are, are, are reflected in it, it has caused it to be very, very much analyzed how um, how safe it is, how it can be safe in, in all kinds of uh, uh, scenarios where there's, uh, there's someone tries to get access to it or there's an ice age and there's ice on top of the repository and so on and so on. Uh, very few risks in, in our industrial society are actually thought this far. The main problem with the West, I guess, still is, is, of course, the timeline. So this is a bit of a different, we know that it, it has to be stored for a very long time. But then again, many of the industrial processes we as a society run actually do create create waste and, and problems that are likely to last long. Plastics or carbon emissions in the atmosphere, they're, they're not going any, anywhere any, anytime soon. Well, and if we uh, want to avoid carbon, we also have to see the, the restrictions you have with, or problems you have with renewables. Uh, wind energy is not as positive as it is often seen. Of course, it avoids carbon, and that's already a, a, a big issue and a, and a big progress. But if you see uh, what it takes to install a, a windmill, and uh, what roads you have to build there to construct it, and uh, what it, uh, what uh, the, what you need to construct for the basement, and what you do afterwards after ten years or twenty years when uh, these uh, uh, wind engines become rubble and waste, and so you're creating a, you're creating a lot of of things. And to st- how do you store the wind energy, and how do you bring it to other not as windy parts of the country? Uh, this is huge challenges that uh, set some limits to the uh, uh, exploitation of wind energy. And also with, uh, with solar, you have some restrictions. I mean, a lot of energy is blasting into the, uh, into the, onto the planet every minute. But uh, the number, uh, but you can't, uh, the size of the solar panel is, is limited, so you can't access most of it. Uh, so that restri- restricts the the outcome of uh, of energy you can take out of that. So these things are not solved yet, and there are probably solutions, but we need to we need to bridge that definitely. Yeah, yeah, excellent points. I mean, uh, wind and solar are great ways to produce electricity. There's there's no doubt of that, but they are they have their challenges, as you explained, and I think uh, it boils down to low energy density compared to nuclear fission, or actually even with fossil fuels. And variability. So I would say those are the two problems. The waste problem, the unrecyclability is a, is an issue. I think that's that's a technical issue. We can tackle that, but we need to put the regulatory framework to actually uh, expect that, and that of course will, uh, or, or, or so that they will be managed. But that of course uh, will show in uh, as costs and so on. Uh, but that, but that's that's the issue. I mean, uh, they will require quite a lot of land use and resources because of the low energy density. And uh, this should be counted in when you weigh the different risks and benefits uh, and, uh, of, of different ways of producing energy. And the variability causes either that you have to build a lot, so you would so- always have somewhere where the sun is shining or, or there's wind, or you have to have some kind of reserve system or a storage. And uh, and and this is, I think, my main issue with if all kinds of energy scenarios for the future they typically have very, very optimistic assumptions about these energy storages, which are still 
they require mat- matters and uh, resources as well. And there, there's no like, uh, it, it's solved only basically on models and paper. Uh, in real life, what we see a lot is, is reserve power, like, sorry to say, but you guys in Germany, I mean, uh, it's it's it seems like there's a dangerous path where focusing the energy policy on fast, rapid increase of wind and solar will result in lock-in to fossil gas, and that's a dangerous path uh, we should avoid. Yeah, let's think in terms of regions. The world's energy needs are growing rapidly, especially, let's put Asia, China, Southeast Asia, India. Um, How could the European community with its energy demand compete without nuclear? Uh, If you ask me, I guess it can't <laughs> but that that's uh, that brings i think a, a good uh, uh, another argument that 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 uh, emphasizes the need for nuclear alongside uh, other low carbon energy sources is that another thing that we have we see a lot of optimistic assumptions is energy efficiency uh, a lot of the energy efficiency improvements actually never uh, play out because of the rebound effects uh, so called jevons paradox but then on the other hand, we also see that a lot of poverty in the world is actually energy poverty, as you described. Just we, it's, it's clear that the developing countries will need a lot more energy. Uh, and uh, it's important that it's clean energy. But uh, it's, it's also in Europe as well, as you said. I mean, if you want to have an industrial base here, uh, and be competitive. You know, that that means that uh, we we need clean energy here as well. And uh, many of the uh, solar technological pathways we're looking forward in the future, like hydrogen, it's not an energy source; it's an energy storage, which actually increases the need for primary energy in the system. So we should be making sure that the access to clean energy is not a bottleneck to our decarbonization and our economic competitiveness. And I think these go hand in hand in the future. And uh, it's very interesting that we haven't touched in this conversation now the issue of of fusion energy. It's it's a highly complex uh, energy. I know when I I first got confronted uh, with, with this topic, Many years ago, it was um, they said oh, we will have it in ten years. And now, if you talk to people, uh, they say we will have it in ten years. And even if we now, with all these uh, immense money invested into uh, into exploring uh, this uh, this new type of energy, even if we there will be it's a breakthrough now. T- technology is so complex; it will be take many years, many decades before power plants are developed. And so we can't rely on this technology, and therefore it was a good reason that we didn't talk about it. But I think it was just important to mention it and see, yes, there is, a, there is an option that in the, some time in the future may solve our problems. Yeah, nobody knows when this will be, and we can't wait for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is uh, stuff you know very well, is that making an innovation and scaling an innovation are two different things. So, and. Uh, I think fusion energy is is exactly as you said it it shouldn't be relied on or counted on but it's definitely worth researching on and and looking for what 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 the future might bring there and uh here this is actually I think that all already before the I would say we our position in the Finnish greens became more neutral perhaps that, uh, as as it's done that's a thing that has 
baffled many here is that some green parties in, in, in Europe are actually very much advocating against fusion reactor research. And this is something that I, as a as a, as a, with the researcher background and, and with the engineering background, I just can't comprehend. I do understand that we have limited resources and uh, that's uh, we, we can have uh, putting resources somewhere is out of somewhere, but the, but the potential future entry is so, so, so great that even if it never uh, breaks, uh, if, if it, it never becomes a reality, it, it, it's still worth looking into, still worth researching into. I mean, in the end of the day, you are a member of the parliament, you are a member of the Green Party, you are a politician. So you have to maximize somehow elections, voters. Um, how is the how are the Finnish people reacting to the nuclear issue? Uh, well, the, the Finns are pretty pragmatic here as well. So actually in surveys, we see that uh, even among the vo people who identify as green voters, there are I think the recent survey, there were just about as many people who want to see more nuclear than those who want to see less of it. And, and uh, most are fine with things as things are now. Uh, it's not a very uh, controversial, or it's a controversial issue, but it's not, a, it's not very topical in a, in a sense that it's not debated that much. Uh, so... What I uh, what we face as Greens more, which is more important to us, is the general pressure to see uh, climate action in general, to see emissions go down, see see the political decisions that that actually result in emission uh, reductions. So people are less interested in about the means; they are more interested about the ends. Uh, of course, then when it comes down to uh, policy actions that, that uh, people feel in their wallets and in their everyday life, like uh, taxing fossil fuels on cars uh, or, or uh, maybe stuff regarding food production, those are very controversial. Those are debated quite high, uh, a lot. Nuclear, not so much. And it's, it enjoys quite a high uh, acceptance rate in Finland in general. Why? I, I think there are a lot of reasons. Maybe it's something... something uh, uh, in in our food, I don't know, but uh, maybe it's it's. I, I think there are reasons that are that are uh, education, but then also things like the fact that we have tackled this waste disposal issue. Actually, that we've actually tried to solve it, and we're now starting to to do it. And the other thing would be perhaps the way that nuclear industry has been uh, organized here is that it. It seems like it's benefited the whole society, uh, and then we have a strong trust in the in the nuclear safety regulatory authorities. So it could be a combination of all this. Do you have an exchange with your colleagues from the Green Party in Germany every now and then? Uh, well, to some extent, I'm I'm not very uh, myself directly. I'm not that much involved in the in the European Green Party uh, activities. Uh, of course, we well before covid uh, uh, we had had meetings and and there are forums where we meet and now online these days of course uh, typically what happens is that i get <laughs> i get interviewed by some foreign media uh, austria sweden germany then then someone uh, from those countries is like hey wait a minute uh, 
there's a green green who thinks like that th- this and uh and actually it seems that often there are people who are greens or green voters who kind of like okay say that it's it's interesting or great to see someone argument uh making arguments for nuclear because it's a taboo or it can't be even discussed here and uh and so actually i've received surprisingly a lot of uh, positive uh feedback from uh, but that's typically not public <laughs> so it seems that the the same same kind of thing that we see in Finland is is bubbling under in different countries as well uh although it's clear that that uh, the kind of the level of, of the debate is uh, and the and kind of the positions are very different it's much more controversial Dieter? I doubt we could we could avoid nuclear so let's make it the safe uh, the safest possible and uh, that's the only thing uh, we can do if we don't if we don't do it there are others that definitely will do it so in the end the planet will have uh, the uh, will have the nuclear anyway and yeah maybe in countries that are not as safe as we try to play it Okay, let's come to the last question. Atte, what do you expect for the next three to five years in your business, in your party, in your life? <laughs> well, for the next two years, still, still uh, uh, in this this uh, uh, government, this this parliament, then then I would. It's inter- It's a good. I think then then there's a place to uh, to think whether I, I want to run for another term or not. Things in politics take a lot of time. Uh, it takes time to achieve things, but then again, this is also working as a politician in the current day media environment is also quite. It takes its toll, and it's often quite frustrating. Although I do enjoy my my job quite a lot. What I do think is is uh, uh, happening in the big picture here and and in Europe in general is is this that we've been setting climate policy targets for years, but now the target years start to come really close and and we should actually st- start to see the actions that take us to those targets and there's still a lot of uh, uh, th- we don't we, we don't still not not in Finland not in other countries even the ones that are quite ambitious we st- still don't walk the talk and uh, it's interesting to see uh, how, how if we're able to able to kind of speed up as uh, on the scale that we we should and that's i think my primary goal in in the uh, in politics in in short term there's actually uh, elections uh, elections here municipal elections in 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 couple of weeks it's interesting to see how that that drives uh, the political situation in finland but uh, uh, another another trend in in the in the nearby future i think is is the Will the polarization in the societies continue, uh, or or will we be able to avoid in Europe the development that we've already seen in the in the U.S., for example, where where politics has become very hostile, very polarized, and uh, and also to see if, if they can if they can start to reconciliate in in, in the U.S. the situation if if Biden is successful in that, but that's that's the thing that that really affects everything in in politics uh, uh, in, uh, because that that's 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 toxic to to anything pragmatic is is that if things become polarized and and uh, identity based then then uh, the truth or the analysis matters less and and uh, 
just running against each other matters more. And that's also another thing I, I want to really avoid. Well, polarization, and I think we had it, uh, we talked about it uh, more recently in uh, this podcasting series because it pops up uh, always again. And uh, so we fully agree that any uh, ideological approach or polarizing approach is not helpful to find solutions to solve the problems we have big time. And if we want to uh, keep this uh, healthy planet or where we can live on, we definitely need a pragmatic approach and we need to talk to uh, each other with compromise and uh, their polarization definitely doesn't help. So uh, thank you, Ate. It was really a great conversation we had to this point. Thank you, Dieter, for these closing remarks. That was our session with Ate Hayano about nuclear energy. Ate is a member of the parliament in Finland and member of the Green Party. Thank you for the interesting conversation and good luck for the upcoming elections. We wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. It was an honor. To the power of more. From Brockmeier and Zalo. Innovation thinking.